Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams. Today is my first in-person guest with me is Kathy Richards. I am so thankful to have him on on a Sunday, you know, on God's day. And he's he's with us here today. Uh, Cabby, before we get started, I just need you to open your phone and show me yes. everything about, you know, your family yes, and right. all the yeah. other pictures. So Listen, um, you're going to get upset if you keep scrolling to the left, like the great <laughs> Aubrey Graham once said. So I don't want to upset you at the top of this podcast, but I understand. Uh, I understand the ask. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also as well, and this is a deep cut. Will you be my best man tomorrow? Can you can you do that for me tomorrow? Tomorrow. What I, time's it at? It's out uh, noon. Noon. <laughs> noon. There you go. Noon. Yeah. What are my other responsibilities? I, I don't know. I think. I think. I just. I just. Uh, I wanted that deep cut from. Oh, I think it was 07 in Vegas. Well you done. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate that. Well, Cabby, I just want to. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna officially. Uh, I'm gonna um, politely decline that request. <laughs> That's okay. Um, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not getting married anytime soon. So, uh, I'm not putting you on the spot. As you like should it. just yeah, relax. Like, take, take your time. Your time. Yes. Take my time. Uh, I want to just ask you before we kind of get into your whole career, but I know that the person that kind of inspired you was Will Smith. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, that kind of made you want to go into, to kind of be on TV. Didn't know how to, Yes. but yes. tell me about that kind of how you wanted to get started in the industry and a little bit about your, your story. Well, I, I just saw Will and like I was enamored and fascinated with Will and obviously he's highly entertaining and very charismatic and charming. And uh, then I just stole all his material. <laughs> like every day in school, I was like making girls laugh because of Will Smith's like antics. And I think uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on like five o'clock, 4.30 or five on CBC when I was younger. Mm. So then I would just watch the episode and just take that to school the next day. So I owe Will, um, like, I don't even know how to like enumerate that, but millions of dollars in like value to me uh, versus value in the world because he was so influential. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like, yeah, there was no path to be on television and nor was there even like uh, a thought of like how someone could do that. Mm-hmm. My parents are immigrants. So like many people who listen whose parents are immigrants they want you to pursue academic <laughs> uh fields so it's engineering it's science it's medicine it's it's mathematics all that stuff and i mean i was okay in math but that wasn't going to be i was like you're just making too much i was just too big of a class clown to then just focus on okay we're doing uh you know trig or calculus or algebra <laughs> i don't even know if like finite math exists as a course anymore it's been so long <laughs> since i've been in high school so i don't even know bro yeah, but it was, I knew that that wasn't going to be my uh, mm-hmm. my career path. So thankfully, Will gave me a glimmer of like what's possible, and then through random encounters at school, like Ryerson. Yeah, and then once Ryerson, once I made it to Ryerson, I was like, okay, like oh, this is what I'm going to learn about television versus just consuming it like everybody else. And, and you went to the score course, and I know uh, there was like Tim McAuliffe, Adnan Kirk. I didn't Verk. Verk, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm in Kirk. Cousins, no, Alejandro but... Kirk. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's that's for uh, the six right there. That's but right. Um, just what was that experience like? Because I've, I've heard Tim talk about how awesome that kind of cohort of, of kind of people was at the score. And what did you learn? And maybe how did it kind of get you kind of into going into Cabby in the streets and, and on the streets and, and Cameo Limited and all that? 
those were formative years of my career. And it was almost like an extension of high school. Like they were, we were, they were collect, everybody was young. Everybody was there between like 20 and 30. So, and for maybe all of us, it was like our first adult jobs. And we were, you know, people had roommates. Some people lived at home to try to save money to buy a place. And, uh, and we all loved sports. Like it was, uh, yeah, we all generally, genuinely loved creating stories, making highlight packs, watching these elite superstars, you know, chase records, break records, win championships. But the camaraderie was very much like high school. So like we had this area <laughs> called News Pit 2. There were like 12 producers and on-air talent and in a small space, like just, you know, picture like the cafeteria. Yeah. There was an area in the cafeteria where Tim... Sid Sixero, myself, oh, okay. Verk, my man D, Coolius, mm. um, and some other other producers, we would hang out. And that's where our desks were. So, you know, Coolius had his hockey show. Tim and Sid had scored a night. I was coming in from the road or coming in from an edit, uh, you know, from somewhere either in Toronto, just amassing clips for one story, or we'd come back from the road and then tell some stories from the road. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was, it was formative. And I learned how to be a producer, like learn how to prepare stories, find highlights, bring in music, maybe some graphics. Yeah. Uh, and we always, there was a, like an unspoken competition. Okay. And it was, you know, between Tim and Sid, it's like, who could have the funnier nickname <laughs> for players or who could write the funnier line for highlights. Um, and then, you know, for me, it was, I was like, it was like, who could produce the hottest feature? Like who had the hottest highlights? make uh -huh. the hottest graphics, make something pop. And then, you know, um, and that, and that was like very much like the East ethos of that place. And we were also like a bunch of kids in 75 fantasy pools, bro. There's so <laughs> many, so many pools, there's a pool for everything. There's a yeah. golf pool, every master's pool. Uh, <laughs> there were obviously like football, basketball, yeah. hockey, baseball, like multiple pools. Did you we had relegation there's like there's like a main there's a basketball pool and a football pool like the main ones, and relegation. Yeah, there were like sixteen or twenty teams. Like this is oh we're going God. deep into like RB three <laughs> WR five. You know what I mean? To get to get players on the waiver wire, and like the the poor performing teams were relegated. How, so how well did you perform? On I was always kind of middle of the road, middle okay. of the road. Yeah, I never won anything. I was make that the because playoffs. you didn't have the same dedication because I feel like half of fantasy is just you work at it way more and, and just at an unconscionable level. That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I think my focus was not so much on studying the numbers yeah. and it was out like out here in these streets. Yes. Yes. Studying like, oh, who can she be my new friend? Uh, it was a bit of, it was a bit too much of that. So I I didn't have is, that much. Is, that, is that, that what a prompted cabbie on the street? No, 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 no. I when, was, I, when I started that, it was. It was like largely to get out of the office and two to start doing some content. And we didn't call it content. It's like go make videos that are like fun or funny in a space that didn't exist yet. Uh, and I mean, do we meet girls? I guess, but like, I don't know. No one like girls in, had never heard of the score. Yeah. I was just like some random chubby dude accosting people in the street. Uh, and if I cracked a joke that they liked, like it was a win for me, but it didn't translate to like, all right, well, let's, uh, mm -hmm. 
you and, know, can we talk about fantasy sports or whatever the next evolution of that conversation would be? What kind of prompted you to, to, you said to kind of get out of the office and, and, and how did, because it was such a revolutionary thing. Like I had never seen that before. Thanks. How, how much kind of pushback did you get from people? I know I've heard that some, you, you got that sometimes. I'm not saying that the score, but just what was the impetus for the idea? And then how did it come about? I was um, trying to be an actor at the time and mm. being an actor is really hard. You the common the common edict is for every 20 auditions you get one role yeah. so it's a ton of rejection you're like like the the casting director is like batting 950 <laughs> against you as the actor i mean 10 actors in there for one role of like super um compared hold on it's eight <clears throat> sorry man it's trying to back <laughs> i can just part. i'm so sorry oh, you can just add a part yeah Woo! that's okay keep, keep going okay Take your time, man. Ah, let me just grab some water. Yeah, go for it. Man, trying to. I'm so sorry. No, no, don't apologize. Fighting a cold here. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I was trying to be an actor at the time, mm-hmm. and very limited roles would I successfully earn. Mm-hmm. So I, I credit the credit needs to go to Steve Coolius and Lisa Bose, who were weekend hosts, and they're like, "Hey, we should." you should do like a man on the street segment. And we want to like, we want to make our weekend show a little bit different than the Monday to Friday show. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, And then I met Brian Roy who had just graduated from film school. He went to York. I went to Ryerson Mm. and he had a camera. He saved up, bought a 3000 or $5,000 camera, you know, like 21 or 22, like five, that's a lot of money. That feels like the world. It's still a lot of money. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm not throwing away five grand. Yeah. I don't even know if I, anyway. Yeah. Um, so I met Brian. I said, Hey, do you want to go try some streeters? He's like, sure. And went out and just started asking like stupid sports questions, some trivia, more like lifestyle, pop culture stuff, mascots and jerseys and just the stuff yeah. around sports. I wasn't trying to like be, um, you know, there were a couple of shows on, on TV at the time, which were testing trivia. So in sports, it was Stump the Schwab. Mm-hmm. It was like, that was on ESPN. There was a, a researcher there who was like this brilliant statistician, and the goal was to try to stump him. Mm. And then I think on the comedy on Comedy Central, there was a comedian named Ben Stein, mm-hmm. and there was a show called Win Ben's Money or Ben Stein's Money, and that was also like another. I mean, differently than like Wheel of Fortune, yeah, and the price is right. Uh, and this is before like who wants to be a millionaire. And that really kind of exploded in the, in the uh, pop culture, but I wasn't trying to do jewelry stuff. I was like, I want to do some more personality stuff and try to like exercise any, um, ad lib muscles, comedic muscles that I had. And listen, I've been chubby my whole life. So the muscles weren't there, <laughs> but I, so that, that's, that's how it starts. So Lisa and Coolius were like, Hey, you should try something like this. And then I had a lot of free time. I was working at a, uh, I was working at HMV, so like a mm-hmm. selling in the video department, and I was script writing at the score. And that's, um, and then I just started. Like we would go to um, busy intersections in the city. So yeah, go to you know the Danforth, where it's like a the Danforth's a popular area. Go to like Young and Bloor, which was a popular area. King and right. University. We'll go to a lot of. Uh, college campuses so like york ryerson u of t george brown um humber just to find people my own age that i could speak to 
and I just felt more comfortable talking to versus, and they were strangers, but like older strangers. It's and a bit different. It's yeah. hard. Like yeah. shooters are hard. And that's, I was, that's also a ton of rejection. Like for every yeah. how, one. How, how did you kind of push through that? Like with, with the acting, but also with just being. At the experience of like getting rejected okay. and like you go to a commercial like there are times I might have like four or five auditions in a week and then not hear a single peep in that week. Or like, there might be like one call back, you go back and then, and then they'd hire somebody else. So I'm just was used to dealing with mm-hmm. rejection. So when you're accosting random people on the street, not everybody at that time, not everybody's that comfortable with being on camera. Cause Brian had like a, it was a Canon XL one. So this predated the uh, DSLRs. So like a little bit of a different body type, but it was like a sizable camera. Now it's everybody just shoots on their phone. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me about that. <clears throat> oh my goodness. Excuse me. Take Might have like a, a tiny mic or one of those. Um, uh, what's the brand there? Those little box. Yeah. I know what you're talking about like the little mics here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, like a little road. Yeah. Lav mic wireless up. So it was before that time and we we're using a microphone, like a traditional microphone too. So, um, there was a lot of rejection, but I just knew like, we got to get six to eight people per, sometimes 10, depending on where we were. And we would go to heavily densely populated areas so that I wasn't out there for like two hours trying to talk yeah. to 10 people. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, it, it, you, I built up some armor and expected and- rejection, but you know. Every once in a while, like you, you would get you get the goal that you were looking when, for. When did you start kind of getting notoriety for the show, and and did it was it kind of a slow burn or, or slow burn for sure? Slow burn. Um, maybe like six or eight months into it, like I it, I would just get recognized at the movie theater, mm. um, or like out walking around with like my girl at the time, but that was it. It was there there yeah. weren't that many. And- interactions and when did you kind of go to kind of doing more interviews with athletes and like jordan and obviously have all these relationships we can talk about Kobe. all right so the evolution to then get to interview athletes was it started in like oh two and i was just so curious what it would be like like could i make these guys laugh could i find something interesting in one of these moments and uh, it was when I went to SportsCenter and started hosting NBA XL and JZone. I was hosting NBA XL, contributing on JZone. That's when I was interacting with athletes more often. NBA mm-hmm. and MLB. And uh, I had to use my imagination to come up with like fun stuff. Because the only fun... Well, the uh, the show that seemed like it had the most fun with athletes was NBA Inside Stuff. And that was hosted mm-hmm. by Ahmad Rashad and... There were a few other co-hosts, like I think Summer Sanders. I think um, Summer Sanders was one. Willow Bay was another. Um, mm-hmm. Can't remember. So, but NBAXL was was, was myself and uh, Namigeni Kiwanuka or Nam, as how she was known. Um, and that really, like in that time, is when I really got to um, have great interactions with with uh athletes and so it was nba excel so we had to our little show which was on sports at the time had to be approved by the nba in new york because it had nba marks yeah. and mm-hmm. uh and it was like a pop culture show similar to inside stuff didn't have the same budget and it was new it was and basketball was not big in canada at the time yeah. i mean it's it's much bigger now but at then in 02 there were like i don't know seven guys in the nba that were canadians and yeah. it was still such a hockey dominant country 
So uh, when I started interviewing, like my first big one was Kevin Garnett. It was okay. at the All-Star game in, in Atlanta and he was awesome. Yeah. We were talking about um, going to Prince's house and like getting, because he lived in Minnesota. Prince lived yeah. in Minnesota. And it's like, oh yeah, Prince is just like, no one is time to, he would say, like, he said something like, I know it was time to go to Prince's house because like he would have a chimney and purple smoke come out of the <laughs> chimney. So that was like our bat signal. I was like, that's amazing. Uh, and um, at that time, you know, there, there was, I mean, there's still such a big synergy between like hip hop and, yeah, and basketball. I mean, Drizzy is on a tour right now and every city he goes to, it's like a basketball player walks out with him, whether it's KD, Braun and Bronny, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, like Drizzy has all these friends in, yeah. in high places. And um, that's just an extension of the synergy. Uh, I never got to interview Michael when I was on that show. Michael was like, I've I've seen your Michael interview though. That was when I got back to the score, but he was, um, you know, he's like, he's just like this. Michael was just like this mysterious figure, and no one could. You got him to laugh. Yeah, and it was a brief interaction, but I mean, thank the Lord, I I got it. But it wasn't anything that was set up. I really just sort of MacGyvered. That's a dated reference. I really just went in like a uh, friggin' um, what's that video game? There was like a famous video game meme when someone just like uh shoot something or... no it was like a yeah it was a first person shooter and somebody goes rogue on the on the, in the and that's what it felt like that you were going back. i went rogue uh uh oh my gosh what was the and the guy says something like who shibuya jackson or something stu- <laughs> something stupid like that it says it on the video game and it's a popular meme yeah. and the and the other players like what are you doing where, where are you going and so i went rogue Okay. To get to Michael. Um, so that that's where, so it started in 02. I, I started NBAXL in November of 02 and went to 05. And that was also very formative. When I came back to the score, that's where the Kobe relationship started. And I, I started forming great relationships with hockey players too. We got to follow yeah. the Stanley Cup for and three years. I remember. Drank that. out of it too. We did not earn that privilege, but I took it. Uh, so yeah, 08, 09, 2010. We did it, you know, we're sponsored by, I can't like Jeep Cherokee or something. We had some, like in Canadian media, you need sponsors to get in order to pay for the production, and then the sponsors get some awareness of the brand, and it's on TV. Yeah. So that was the only reason why we got to do, um, you know, Journey to the Cup. And I was, we were doing like blogs or vlogs before they were called vlogs. We just yeah. called it videos. We didn't yeah. call it like content. There's no like sexy name for content. Like content is like this all-encompassing buzzword. We didn't have that. We just like yeah. we're doing videos. And we're doing daily videos. And with that, like what were like the impetus for those ideas? Like when you went like rogue with with people, like did you have those ideas planned? I know you oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kobe, I think I heard that you never told Kobe what you were gonna do. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I would have a plan going in. Yeah. I just wouldn't tell some of the gatekeepers who are like the PR staff. And was it like a big brainstorming? Yeah, 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 yeah. My my man Dina, so Dave Crick's my producer for a long time for like 15 years we would have either a phone call or Dave would send some ideas and I would refine them. But Dave's ideas were so, so dope. Like he was just hitting home runs all the time. I was like, Oh, this is really funny. Uh-huh. And then we would go out and and do it. And like, and uh, I would just be, I'm not the typical interviewer. So many of these guys, some, some didn't like it, yeah. but then some were like, Whoa, this is a different who, like, who is like, I, yeah. I, I once got some feedback from, uh, Jack Nicholas, like he, he was, who's, uh, you know, who's won 18 majors. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods has been chasing yeah. Jack Nicholas, the ghost of Jack for his entire career with, you know, he's at 15 yeah. majors. 
Jack Nicholas for some reason was in Toronto. <laughs> and I don't know if it was the Canadian, I don't know, maybe some some rich like kind of like yeah, yeah. Some like some bankers or whatever brought him in for so I so I came in there and and usually you get five minutes. You were told you have five minutes with a person because like Jack Nicholas or whomever is doing several interviews and they might have you might have they might have a total window of 30 minutes and they're just trying to try to squeeze everybody in. I came in there like a hurricane, bro. Um, speaking like this, and yeah. and and Jack was like, uh, and by the end of it, he goes, uh, "Where did he come from?" Like <laughs> that was pretty fun. Like he he was almost like exasperated because I just come in with so much energy, and I'm asking not, I'm not asking about Tiger, I'm not asking about records, I'm coming in asking, I don't know, Whatever. I can't remember like food at you know various um, clubhouses or, or not clubhouses, but. Um, um yeah, well, yeah they are clubhouses yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, right yeah 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 so i came in there so so there was always a brainstorm with my man d before we went out there was always a plan but i left room to freestyle because i don't i could anticipate what some guys would say but i really have to be on on, on point because the interactions were so short so i had to like maybe plan two or three questions but then also like in the back of my mind, just know that there could be two or three follow-ups that I could use. And I want to ask you about your interactions because you would get very close to them, sometimes hug them. Yeah. Like you'd use your voice, like very like comedic traits. Like, did you look at comedians? Was that kind of a source or, or was that your own thing or was, and how did you kind of come up with that? Because it always seemed to be very effective of you kind of getting close and personal. Well, thank you. Them. Yeah. Uh, not always effective. Uh, no, there's a, there's, uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of times where I melted faces. By that I mean, like the breath was just. I had to regulate that shit. Kyle Lowry told me once, he's like, "Did you have? Were you eating onions earlier?" I'm like, "Yeah, I had a burrito, bro." I'm like, "Man, I just had like four mints." Never again. <laughs> I do not from that point. I do not put onions on my food because I am a close talker and yeah. I want to break some traditional barriers between athlete and reporter, and that is like the physical touch. Yeah. Uh, I want to be everybody's friend. I'll put my arms around people or I'll touch their chest just to like emphasize their soul or the power <laughs> within. I don't know, just stupidness. Um, where does that come from? There wasn't anybody, oh, you know what? Probably, probably in my subconscious was Jim Carrey, who was mm. maybe the most brilliant comedic physical performer. That's funny. I was looking at Jim Carrey videos like a day ago just to look at his, yeah. The yeah. guy is just, just he's amazing. He's like from another part of the universe. Like he might be from Neptune. Yeah. <laughs> um, it goes Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's from, I think it's from, yeah, maybe it's from Uranus. Maybe. That, to that make seems the terrible, yeah, the terrible this. joke. Yeah, yeah. It's from one of the rings. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey's physicality, and also I grew up at a time so it was Jim Carrey, Martin Lawrence, Will Smith mm -hmm. were my north stars. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they were the three wise men. As I'm sitting there in Bethlehem waiting for Jesus to be born, <laughs> I was like, "When are these guys showing up? Like, we need, we need to turn up." And yeah. when they come with the mirth and Mary and the wine, I know we're going to turn up. So I was waiting for them. Uh, so that's kind of probably where the physicality comes from. Uh, and you just you just mimic your heroes, and that's what I did. Okay. Not on a, such a conscious level, but I'm sure the way that I speak, or the way that I move my hands, or the way that I alter the pitch of my voice. And did you probably... always feel that confident with athletes, or did it take a while, or it, or was it just you were just like screw it, I'm just gonna go all out from like day one? It takes time. No, no, it takes time. It takes okay. time. And because if if someone is not warm and friendly, then you just I would start to like shrink a bit because like. 
it took me a long time to learn that sometimes like these guys are human beings. So not every day isn't rainbows and Skittles and trampolines and good time, good vibes. Sometimes guys are sick or they have a kid at home that's sick or going through something with their girl or, or something's they're just having a bad day too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Didn't sleep right. Or just having a bad day. So I used to take that really personally. Like, why do they, why don't they like me? But it had nothing to do with me. And that's how self-centered I was, but I, it was a, le- as a lesson that I needed to learn. Uh, so um, there was, a, there was one time I was interviewing DeMarcus Cousins. Okay. <laughs> Boogie Cousins was here during the 2016 all-star weekend. And the players were sitting at these like pods. So the media would go circle the pod, put their microphones in the player's face and ask a bunch of questions, 45 minute sessions. So you're in a room with like 12 all-stars. You have 45 minutes total to do whatever in the room. So I showed her Boogie Cousins. He was not, he just had, he was just very weary of what I was doing. Yeah. He's like, why are you talking so close, man? I'm like, I just want to make sure you hear me. <laughs> and he goes, no, I can hear you from there. I'm like, why well, I just want you to feel my energy. And so this is like nine o'clock in the morning. He's like, bro, I feel, I feel your energy, bro. Like, but see, he was like, very, he's like, it was the, uh, the um, figurative, Heisman, like I just need you to keep your distance, bro, because I don't know what you're doing. what you're doing. What is is there some kind of amphetamine in your system? <laughs> is there like could you pass a urine test right now? I don't. It looks like you you probably couldn't. But I'm in there like, hey, it's 45 minutes. I, there are 10, 12 dudes. Yeah, like I have. You have to I have to shoot my shot quickly, and also the room is full with like 200 other people, so it wasn't easy. Anyway, that's just an example of someone who wasn't feeling it that day, and I don't even know if I ever aired that segment. Because I don't think we got to complete it. But anyway, that's an example. Not everybody's into it. And and with that, just go back a little bit, like your uh, relationship with Kobe. Just tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, um, you know, terrible what happened. Of course, you know, of course, yeah. Just, just tell us because he really took a liking to you. And, and just how did that start? And then just uh, you guys seem to be pretty close by kind of the end of his life. Thank you. I don't know how he chose me to be the one that he would have fun with. Because he wasn't like a soft and cuddly guy. Kobe was like, I have one mission and it's to be greater than my hero. And that was whether it's like, I need to be greater than him in practice. I need to be greater than him in my workouts. I need to be greater than him in my focus and my mentality. Inspire my teammates greater than him. Uh, He was like, that was his mission. So um, I think it was largely because I came like when our first interaction was me asking something stupid like we were, i was talking about bandwagon fans and like how what is bandwagon culture like for you Kobe, as a basketball player and in this great market los angeles where everything's kind of fake there's a lot of artifice yeah. and when the team's hot everybody comes when the team's not they don't come but in la even when the team's well fuck, he excuse me he was he, he was there in the 80s so magic johnson played in nine nba finals so he was always in the finals. <laughs> so that's like, that was the foundation of the fan base. And obviously it's Hollywood, Jack Nicholson, sitting courtside, all these famous luminaries in Hollywood were supporting the team. And then Shaq and Kobe win three rings, 2000 to 2002 or 2003. And then Shaq leaves and there's a huge dip. So LA falls off, but I was there just to ask dumb stuff. <laughs> and Kobe's like, oh, well, you kind of, it took a little bit of time for him to, um, not recognize but lower his guard and that's the hardest thing is to gain somebody's trust because it takes a long time to gain it and it takes you can ruin the trust lose it in like a snap of a finger you say one thing reckless or you 
you're hanging out with somebody and you reveal, you tell somebody else something that was said in confidence and then it gets out. Be like, bro, what the fuck? You know, like, yeah. so I'm always very aware. Um, it, it just, trust is such a valuable currency. Trust in relationships. And I've ruined some relationships by mm-hmm. not being, having either loose lips or just being too enthusiastic about um, wanting to do interviews and sh- and stuff and guys are like man let's just let's just relax or just would stop responding so with Kobe, uh we didn't have that kind of relationship like we followed each other on like twitter and i think instagram but we i, I wasn't messaging him that often and when i did it was like maybe like every four or five messages he would respond <laughs> so i'm like okay i know there's like a cadence here and i know yeah. uh that i can't i can't be at a hundred every time i message this guy because he's got hundreds of messages to respond to and I'm not that important to him. So it took about a year for him to be like, okay, I know what this guy's about. And then he embraced it. He allowed me to be a clown and he, and then I would just serve him fastballs and he would just smash them out of Dodger (laughs) stadium. So every time I asked to go to his house or every time I like wanted to do some kind of activity together, he would humor me in the moment because he's like, all right, I know what this bit is. Like, you want to be my friend. And I I will not be friends. I do not want you to come to my home. Stop asking me to come to my yeah, home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I know I relentlessly did. I did actually want to go to one of his homes. I think he had three at the time. Uh, so that's how it, it took a while, but that's how it, um, that's how it developed. Because I went, I didn't go in with an agenda. I didn't go into the plan. I wasn't trying to go in. Well, I went with a plan, but the plan wasn't gotcha. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. trying to get him to say something yeah. salacious to, sell the TMZ. That was not the MO. Yeah. My mind is always entertained first, informed second. And and with that, I want to go to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, sure. uh, you probably had a... Did you text him after that? I texted him before the game. Okay. I texted him the day before, just like sending you immaculate vibes. Uh, and so, then... So I have not I have not texted him since because I am I know his f- phone was just like flooded with support and yeah. messages. And like, I might, I might text him in like a week just to be like, yo, how are things? Yeah. Like, how? what's the routine now? Um, how's the diet? Like, how are the mentals? What are you reading? Just to like pass the time. Because, I mean, I've never gone through it. I know Clay Thompson, he had a, I think he had an ACL yeah, tear and then, and a, then and the Achilles, Achilles like yeah. right afterwards. Right after, yeah. So I know he must have been in like a really dark place. You're just asking like, is my career over? Why me? All these questions I'm sure Clay asked himself. And, 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 and Aaron's like almost 40 now. So it's like an even harder. Rehab. Right. But here's the thing, like the advancements of science it and is. medicine um, are at the greatest they've ever been in history. So, uh, and, and, there have been, I don't know, thousands of Achilles procedures done in the United States and thousands of ACLs. And so I know for a guy like this, without having speak, spoken to him, excuse me, that he wants to go out on his own terms. And getting in, leaving by injury is not any athlete's term at all. Uh, at all. They want to go out as John Elway did as a champion, or uh, he's the last person I can think, who are Ty who? Who has retired as a champion? Richard Jefferson. No, I'm kidding. Uh, sorry, I had to do a deep cut. Um, I have. Uh, I don't no. think so. I don't think. He, I think he played another year. Uh, there are very um, few who go out. On no. top. Well, um, Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 29 and 0. He's like, I'm out. I have Floyd Mayweather. I'm out. Okay. Although Floyd Mayweather, he comes he back kinda, and do these. He just kept winning. 
Yeah, that was the the he just kept uh, winning. When I, he, they, they'll probably do a I want they, they have to not even have to but Mayweather would they do a Mayweather no Mayweather McGregor part two? Oh my god! Like what McGregor's like fifteen years younger than him or 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 what? twelve Something ten like years younger than him. Yeah, that yeah. could be a billion dollar fight. Anyway, um, with just Aaron, like how did you develop? Oh, oh yeah, um, that was another one where because my questions are so odd. And um, the the players don't expect it because their traditional interactions with the media are very traditional. They're very uh, focused on the game, on the story. Now, there are outlets that explore athletes' personalities a little bit more, some of their quirks. And we are like so much content is just like entertaining and trying to get you to stop scrolling. So when I met him, I met him in 12 and God, we brought, we made like a, we made like a, a football holster for him. And, <laughs> and also my idea was um, to photo, he was photo bombing teammates. That was the thing he was doing just like on the side. And I, I, I inserted him into these famous photos um, just in the background, one with Ali and the Beatles, one with like the kissing couple in Vancouver and that yeah. famous shot during the Vancouver riots after they lost to the Boston Bruins in 11. I photoshopped him into like a, a Michael Jordan slam dunk, like he was in the audience <laughs> watching. So I think, he, I think he appreciated the creativity. And then every time I spoke to him, we would we would like design specific props for him. And then my questions would be, there'd be a couple of football questions in there. And then just like life, fun silly mm -hmm. stuff so when players understand that i'm just there for the silly and the good times they're like okay i get what this is and i'll have fun with them mm -hmm. and then then they can go speak to the you know the 15 beat writers who are asking about week four opponents and or defensive coverages and all coverages that. too high safeties yeah. all that kind of ish or like the last time you played them this happened and so and so said this all that yeah. kind of traditional journalism and how different is it because you've also done a lot of kind of people like in showbiz like rappers like we did will smith as well like yeah interviewed. like how different is that compared to athletes they are uh natural performers so the interviews are a little slightly easier um because they they they're so used to having cameras in front of them and they're there to entertain audiences so will is very generous in interviews he has a gregarious laughter huge big energy so even if he was on a having a tough day you wouldn't know because he's like i'm going to give this person mm -hmm. what they came to get mm -hmm. uh what was drake like i know you jersey was cool I know you gave him business cards, which was... I Thank you, man. That yeah, that was Dave's idea. Yeah. That was one of my favorite bits. Because he wasn't a... It was... Um, this was kind of before Drake was like... I mean, he no, no, he, he, was still, he was still... He was still big. No, but now it's like he's on another level almost. Like, he's more international, don't you think? Or uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he became the um, global ambassador in 13. And his first album dropped in 09, or so far gone. Yeah, Rizzy's cool. I mean... This guy's an icon, but it's not easy to get him. Yeah. Like <laughs> this guy's always traveling. He's always in the studio. He's working with other artists. I've seen clips where he's like mentoring younger artists. I love what you did there. 
yo, this part here was amazing, but like very, like very complimentary. If you're getting a compliment from that dude, yeah, as far as your art goes, that would just be an insane confidence booster. Um, so yeah, yeah, business cards. That was Dave's idea. And he didn't expect it because on that that day he was announced as the global ambassador for the Raptors. So I'm sure every how does it feel? What were your favorite Raptors memories growing up? Like I'm sure he got that like 30 times. And I had I didn't want any of that. I was like, let's talk about merch. Let's talk about how many job titles you have. You know, it's funny. You you talked about OVO on the jerseys, and now it's the we, we, OVO practice center right. and we everything. You were ahead of the time. That's right. I think we actually put the logo on a practice yeah, jersey. You did. Yeah, in yeah. that in that. Uh, in that bit, I was thinking maybe it was like Valentunas or something, but yeah, now they are on. I think they're on the practice jerseys, they're on the practice jerseys, yeah, 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 no, for sure. So, I look forward to the next time I talk to Drizzy. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's this year, yeah. No, Cabby, thanks so much for doing this. I just want to kind of give you the floor. Just obviously, you're you're now the executive producer of content for betting, is yeah. that correct? Just what's that been like? I know you went for Bleacher Report and, and did some betting stuff, and now there, so what's that been like, and and just everything's so much different in the past couple of years with the legalization of, of betting and, and kind of Canada, obviously Vegas forever, but uh, yeah. It is, um, this market is robust. Ontario um, generates like billions in revenue in like legal sports bets. So the market's just, it has exploded and will continue to do so. There was um, a little bit more reticence from the audience to like, not accept betting, but, to um i guess accept is yeah. probably the word um like I the influx of the of the ads and the integrations into the broadcast like it had already started i mean we all watch american broadcasts because we have you know seven canadian hockey teams and one basketball one baseball and we watch football college yeah. nba and uh college basketball nba basketball so we've seen odds on the screen and we've seen, you know, there's a discourse about betting, but it was, um, I think at first it was a little, I think some of the viewers were, were some were put off yeah. by uh, the number of ads and other people were like, yeah, this is just what's happening. Like it's, yeah. this doesn't bother me at all. It's almost like split in half. So finding a balance of like how we at Sportsnet present betting information and betting content has been we've had to make some modifications obviously you you listen to the audience what do you guys like what do you dislike okay then we will adjust we listen to our partners hey what do you guys want to do what do you like what do you dislike and then we make some modifications so it's that process has been cool because we're just we're learning in real time or we'll make we'll put out an idea or a particular process give it time to get the feedback get the feedback make the changes so it's um um, that's been a cool learning experience. And I've just been surprised at like the, like how much people bet in Ontario. There are, I think around 30 operators, but like the, every quarter it's like over a billion dollars that people are waging. It so it feels like it's like been a quick shift. Like just like everyone's adopted it and it's like, it's been a huge change. I will say though, yeah, legitimately just don't be chasing like lottery tickets and like mm -hmm. bet what you're comfortable losing, whether it's $2. I make $2 bets, bro. I make really? $5 bets. Like I'm not out here trying to bet full paychecks on, excuse me, on, on parlays. Like that is stupid. Like I bet 
what I can feel like I can lose. Like if I bet 10 bucks, I'm like, okay, this is, this is lunch or like a, a sub at Subway. Yeah. Or if it's, if I'm feeling really spicy because I'm like, okay, Justin Jefferson has to score in his night, <laughs> then maybe I'll up it to 15 bucks. But that's like, I have a pretty good job and, and I, um, I try to be as respond like bet as responsibly as I tell others to do so. But I legitimately bet like $10 yeah. on games or $5. Well, what on would games. you say like the best way to approach betting is like in terms of like, obviously maybe not throw all your money into. No, never throw all your money but, into anything. But, but of course. Unless you're buying, maybe buying a home or something. Yeah, or something. But, but just for you, like what, like where's kind of the money at or, or where do you think kind of the, the best kind of type of bets are? Well, I have, I, there are different types of betters. Mm-hmm. There are like the overconfident better. There's the gut feeling better there's the stats nerd there's the person who just like wants to hey what's the group chat doing who just wants to go along for the ride i'm i like to study some numbers just because okay what was the past performance all right who's the opponent this like okay how many rushing yards did they give up last Mm -hmm. week okay it's this one like okay so um or is this person on a heater? If someone's on a heater, I'm like, well, let me just (laughs) i i did a an interview uh, recently with a guy named kyle tucker who plays for the um, Houston Astros. And he's been on a few heaters this summer, this, this season. So I asked him about it and he's like, man, we can't, I have to resist getting too high after those moments because the next day I might go over six and have six strikeouts. Then I'm going to feel like shit. I asked the same question to both Mitchie and Leon Drysaddle. This mm-hmm. interview is coming out later. About, I'm like, I got to give you guys your flowers. You guys were on heaters this year. <laughs> Mitchie was like 23 games with a goal and an assist. And then yeah. Leon was like, I think he scored like 12 goals in yeah, seven or eight games yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. The highest leverage moment. Uh, and I can't remember what they said. And maybe they, maybe they chuckled, but I was like, uh, yeah, I don't even remember what the friggin' answer was. Uh, <laughs> but funny. when, when athletes are on heaters, so, I mean, so much performance has so much to do with confidence and when an athlete's confidence is peaking, then they believe that they can do anything because you have to have otherworldly confidence <laughs> to compete in the most competitive leagues in the world. Yeah, there's only 400 like baseball players, or 400 hockey players, and 400 basketball players, and maybe a thousand football players. But the windows are so small. But also the competition level. It's like you're not getting this job because you know somebody <laughs> like somebody's your uncle yeah. or like your mom is the convener of the thing. Like, no, it's like the, the, the data is in black and white. And it's like, what are you producing? Yeah. So uh, in that, when, when guys are producing at high clips, then I'm like, well, let me jump on this train for, let me okay. see how this is for, for a game or two, see if they can continue, but you can never time that stuff. It's <laughs> impossible to time it. Cause these are human beings. Yeah. It's like trying to time the market. <laughs> when like the, with stocks or meme stocks or like crypto, it's like, you can't time it. Like if you through recognizing patterns, like, Oh, this is starting to creep back up. Maybe this is time to sprinkle a few dollars on X, Y, and Z, but I'm not, I'm not that smart to, to project these things, but there are people who are. And sometimes I listen to, I try to find the right person to listen to at the right moment. I, but again, it's freaking impossible. I'd though. be remiss because uh, before I let you go, because Donovan Bennett said I had to ask you about where you were when the Raptors won the championship. So that's, I think, the, the way we're going to end off. Just where were you? I don't know this story, so I'm oh. like the listeners. So okay. I'm excited for this. I was in Cartagena, Colombia. Okay. <laughs> we were at a bar. Uh, half of the bar is rooting for the Golden State Warriors. The other half is rooting for the Raptors. 
I don't know how many people spoke English. We did. I was there with like 10 of my boys. I was there for my bachelor party. Okay. And game six was a Thursday. Yep. They win. We're out celebrating. One of the dudes is like, I'm in Colombia. What is the most exported product in Colombia? I'm like, dude, what? We don't want to get killed here. They know we're tourists, bro. We're wearing Raptors jerseys, man. Uh, anyway, so uh, we stay for the weekend, have an awesome time. Uh, Colombia is beautiful. Women are just out of this world. And then who flew home Sunday? The parade was on Monday. So we, Donovan and I, we both had to, Donovan had to be on camera much longer than me. But yeah. we got home, made the parade. I interviewed Pascal on the bus. Uh, and then, I, then my the most there are like two viral moments that happened from that parade uh Kawhi leonard thanked everybody because yeah. he knew he wasn't coming uh, back uh, and he said ha 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 and then for me it was uh norm powell <laughs> poured an entire bottle of champagne over my and it burns champagne burns in your eyes okay. so you have to wear goggles i wasn't expecting it uh so i couldn't prepare myself but just as an fyi champagne burns in your eyes so be careful when it's being sprayed in your vicinity <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Cabby. You know, I know you've, uh, you know, not feeling the best today. So I really, really appreciate no you problem, doing bro. this. And uh, thank you so much. Nice to meet you, man. Thank, thank you. you. Great. Awesome.